Mark chapter number 15 this morning. Mark chapter number 15. I'm glad God loved us, aren't you? And that He commendeth that love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. And uh, what a love, what a sacrifice. Mark chapter number 15 this morning. I want to begin reading to you from verse number 16 here in a moment. And the text that I'm going to preach to you from this morning is a familiar one to most people. It tells, I believe, of the greatest and most significant story in all of history. And that was the moment that Jesus Christ, that one time in all of the years that we have been here, from when God made man to now, that time Jesus took all of the sins of the entire world and He placed them on His body and for six hours He was nailed and He was extended between heaven and earth on that cruel, rugged cross of Calvary. There is no greater event that has ever taken place in history except that when Jesus died and then He rose again. And I'm sure glad this morning that He died, but I'm extremely thankful that He lives today. Uh, and that He took our sins and He did all of that. And I would say to you this morning that that is a story that should never get old. It is a story that should never grow old. It is a story that the child of God should love to hear, should love to tell, should love to read, and should love to sing about it. There are many times when I pick up my Bible to read at random, and maybe you're like this sometimes. You don't know exactly what to read, maybe. Maybe you've just finished a book or whatever it is, and you say, I don't know what text to read. One of the things that I like to read is I'll just read the story of Calvary. I just like to read about Jesus and when He went to the cross of Calvary because there is no greater encouragement, there is no greater challenge than to think about the Savior lifted up on the cross for my sins and for your sins. One preacher said it like this. He said, in order to find out who God wants you to be, you must go to Calvary. He said, but in order to stay who God wants you to be, you must walk by Calvary every day. And I think one of the problems that we have as Christians today is that we have forgotten about Calvary. We have forgotten about the cross. And we have forgotten about all that Jesus went through for you and I. And there is not a way possible for me to do this morning to over-exaggerate what Jesus did for us. I could over-exaggerate a lot of things, but I'll never over-exaggerate what Christ did on Calvary for you and for me. But as I read this account this week, a small portion of the story, it just stuck out to me. It's a portion that I have never really paused to think about. It is a part of the story that I have read over nearly every time without much consideration. But this week, it just really stuck out to me. Mark chapter 15, verse number 16 says, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band, and they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it about his head. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed, and they spit upon him. And bowing their knees, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him 
And they put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify. Now some of the story that we didn't read is they have already beaten him over and over again with the cat of nine tails. They have scourged him. His body is not even recognizable at this point. And they have just beaten him as much as they can. Now they're leading him out to crucify him. And they compel one Simon of Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus to bear his cross and they bring him unto the place Golgotha which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments and they cast lots upon them, saying what every man should take. And it was the third hour and they crucified him. And the subscription above him It was this accusation, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled that said he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, All thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Can I say I'm glad he didn't come down from the cross when they told him to? He could have, but I'm glad that he didn't because he had to finish what he was sent there to do. Likewise, also the chief priest, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said he saved others, him himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And you could finish that story, but here's the part of it that I want you to see this morning for just just a few minutes. In verse number 21, we read of a man that we know nothing about up to this point. We read about a man that we probably haven't heard many sermons preached about. We we don't know all of the details of this man's life. But there that day, as that street would be crowded, as they traveled from that place up to Calvary's Hill, and the Roman soldiers were leading Jesus and these other two criminals to be crucified on that cross, there would be many people that were gathered around as that city would be, that street would be busy, and they were watching what was going on. They were watching as these men carried the beams up Calvary to be nailed on. And there in that setting, this body that Jesus had occupied for 33 and a half years had been beaten to a point that it had never been beaten before. It had been tested like it has never been tested before. His body has went through more than what I believe anybody else has ever endured. The beating that Jesus went through through it was the death of other men but Jesus wasn't going to die of that beating because Jesus already had a death that he was going to die and they could have beat him for another six hours if they wanted to and he wouldn't have died in that hall because he was going to die on Calvary but as he was walking and leading that cross the Bible says that he began to stumble. The weight of the cross of Calvary was so heavy on that weak and frail body that Jesus was, he just, he couldn't take any more steps in his, in his human strength. And there they are, the Roman soldiers. Can you imagine? They probably looked at this and they didn't want any delays. They didn't want anything to slow them down. They sure didn't want Jesus to die on the road to Calvary because they had orders for him to be crucified 
at Calvary. And here we find this character that we've read nothing else about up to this point. And those Roman soldiers, they look at this man by the name of Simon and they compel him to come and carry his cross. They compel him to come and help and assist the Lord Jesus Christ to take the cross of Cal- the cross up to the hill of Calvary. Can you imagine the pressure that was put on this man? Can you imagine you're here probably for the Passover and to observe that and you've traveled miles to see that and then these Roman soldiers they say, hey, you, because you're standing right there where Jesus began to stumble and they say, you come out here and you are given the responsibility to carry Cal- the cross up to the hill of Calvary for Jesus Christ. What an awesome, what what an awesome responsibility that was. What a a great responsibility was placed on that man. What what a dangerous responsibility. What, what 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 a sobering thought to think that you have just been given the responsibility to carry the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to the top of Calvary so that He could be crucified on it. You say, boy, that would have been a big deal. Can I say this morning that what we've been called to do is a big deal as well. We might not have been called to carry the literal cross of Jesus up to Calvary, but we have been given assignment by greater orders than the Roman soldiers, but by the King of Kings to pick up the message of the cross of Calvary and to take it to the world so that they can hear. It is the greatest responsibility that there is. There is no greater honor. There is no greater privilege. But there is no greater responsibility than to be the one responsible for the message of Jesus Christ. And each one of us here that have been redeemed by the blood are responsible for the message of Jesus Christ to reach the lost and dying world that is out there. From the story of Simon and him carrying the cross, I want to share with you just a few things very quickly about his call that he was given to him and how that may parallel with the call that God has given to us. I want you to consider this morning the timing of his call. The timing of his call. It was an unexpected time. Here he is. He has traveled all of these miles for Passover. He was there to participate, to spectate the feast, to look back. And what they would do, they would gather every day or every every year on the same day, and they would go through that meal, that feast, that that Passover festival, in a way to recall what God did for them when they left Egypt, to celebrate what God had done for them, and to look forward to what God. God was going to do through the Lord Jesus Christ. And He had traveled these miles to be able to spectate that and to see what was going on. His plan was to sacrifice a lamb that day. His plan was to see the lamb sacrificed by the high priest to go through the rituals and to do all of that. Can I tell you what wasn't on His plan and what wasn't on His itinerary? I don't imagine that Simon of Cyrene woke up that day and thought, man, I can't wait till I carry the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ today. He probably didn't wake up and say, man, I'm ready to carry the cross up Calvary. He woke up that day ready to observe the Passover, ready to see the the feast, ready to go through all of that. But can I tell you that God interrupted His plans that day and God said you might have woke up today to go to the Passover over there, but you're going to be used to being part of the Passover that's going on right here. And you might have got up today thinking, that you were going to spectate over there but I woke you up so you can participate over here and you can be part of what I'm 
doing. And can I say this morning that God doesn't always go by our plans, does He? God doesn't do everything according to our itinerary. Simon of Cyrene didn't wake up planning on doing this, but it was what God had called him to do that day. It was God's plan for his life in that moment to be in that place so that he could assist the Lord Jesus in getting the cross up to Calvary. And there are sometimes in our life where we have it all mapped out, don't we? We have got an itinerary. We have a five-year success plan. We got all these things that we plan on doing, and it's a plan of beauty. I mean, if it would all go according to what we want, life would be grand. I think God has a sense of humor sometimes, because anytime we make a plan, you know what God does? I think God kicks that plan out the window, and God says, here is what I'm going to do, and here is what I want you to do. And God takes all of the details that we thought were going to happen. We've played it out in our head. We've done all of that. And God said, i got something much greater for you to be a part of than what you had planned to be a part of. It may not always seem that way, but know this, God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His plan is much greater than any plan I've ever come up with. Many people get upset when God doesn't work according to their timetable. they got a schedule. they got a plan. They do all that and say, well, God just really got in the way. I know preachers who got out of their, they grew up, they graduated, they got married, they started a life, they started a career, they were established in life. And you know what God did? God called them to preach in the middle of that. You know, they were already going one direction and things were going well. And they talked about the, the, the transition and how hard that was. But do you know I've never met a preacher that answered the call of God in his life even at the most unexpected time that was disappointed that he answered the call of God in his life. It might have been different. It might have been unexpected. It might not have been planned. But it was perfect. And God had orchestrated that. And maybe today God is calling you to do something in your life. God is saying this is what I want you to do he's saying well it doesn't seem like it's the right time it doesn't seem like it's the right thing can I say that God's never called anybody to do the wrong thing and God's never called anybody at the wrong time it's always been perfect it's always worked out according to his will and here we see Simon was called at an unexpected time and it will happen in our life here's the thing God has never gotten in our way but we get in God's way all the time. Because before there was ever a plan, before you and I ever knew what a plan was, God already had a plan. And before time was ever even a thing to consider, God already had a schedule for you and us to walk by. We didn't get in, we, 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 He didn't get in our way. He didn't interrupt. He didn't intervene. We're just in His way most of the time. His call came at an unexpected time, but notice secondly, it came at a crucial time. Jesus had been beaten so badly that He was not able to take another step in this human body that He had. I mean, the strength had just been taken from Him. He had been beaten to such a point that many others had died from it. We got to say, it was more than that. It was more than just Jesus needing help. But you know who else needed that cross to go to Calvary? I needed that cross to go to Calvary. I needed to make sure that that cross was planted in the ground on the hill of Golgotha so that Jesus could be nailed to that cross and so that my sins could be paid for. And here Simon found himself in a crucial time. The cross has not made it to the top of the hill and Jesus is getting weak and it has to be there 
there by the third hour of the day so that Jesus can die on the cross as the Passover lamb. Can I say that I'm glad that Simon was willing to step up and help Jesus take the cross to the top of that hill. I'm glad that there was a man that was willing to take on the cross of Calvary and assist the Lord in getting it to the hill so that the sins of all mankind could be paid for. It was a crucial time. And I would say this morning that we are living in a crucial time as well. We are living in a time where there is a great need in this world. There is a need in this world like there's never been in my lifetime and maybe in yours as well. And you say, that's right, we need new elected officials. You say, we need new this and we need new this. Can I say, what we need this morning isn't something new. It's the old story that we've told for so long to be told like it's never been told before. It is not new things that we stand in need of. It is an old thing that we stand in need of. And it is the story of the old rugged cross of Calvary. And it is the responsibility of the people of God to take up the message of the cross and carry it to the world so that they might hear and they might be saved. I'm glad that there were people in my life that in a crucial time were willing to take up the message and do their part and be a messenger so that this sinner could hear the wonderful news and be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a crucial time today. We need men and women that will pick up the cross, the message of the cross of Jesus and take it into this world. We need young people that will pick it up and take it into this world. We need children of God that will say nothing else matters except doing what God's called me to do. And it may be unexpected and it may be crucial but there is nothing that this world has to offer that is as important as the message of Calvary. And somebody in your life needs to hear about that. And it's our responsibility to take up that message and to go out there and do something with it. I'm fully convinced this morning that God is still calling men to preach. I'm fully convinced this morning that God's still calling Christians to serve. I believe that God is still calling young people to live a life separate from the world. I believe that God's calling all, all of His children to come out from among them, be different, live a holy and a righteous life, to not get mixed up in the world, and to live a life that would point people to Jesus. Hey, He is still calling that we do all those things. The problem isn't that the Lord quit calling. The problem is we quit answering, and we quit listening, and we put it off because we said, well, preacher, it's a really bad time right now. It's, it's an unexpected time. I had other things that are going on in my... It's a crucial time in my life right now. And I got all this other stuff that's going on. Can I say this morning, there's never been a greater time to answer the call of God than right now in this moment. You say, I'm going to answer it later. I wonder how many people, Brother Kevin, said they were going to answer the call of God later and never got a later to answer the call of God. Never got another day to answer the call of God. Maybe it was for their salvation and they put it off and they said, I'm going to get saved one one day and it, that day never came and they died as a lost person and they lifted their eyes up in the torments of hell. I wonder how many saved people said, I'm going to get serious about the Lord one day and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up the cross one day and I'm going to get involved in church one day. I'm going to give my life to the Lord one day and that day never came and they lost having lived their life for themselves and not for the Lord. It may be a bad time in your mind, but I assure you if God's calling you, 
it's a good time in His sight, alright? Because He's never called the wrong person and He's never called at the wrong time. It's always been perfect. The timing may not make sense to us, but it's perfect in the sight of God. Notice the second thing about this call that Simon was given to come and to help carry the cross of Jesus. You see the trouble with it. Because here's the thing, serving the Lord and answering the call of God's not always easy, is it? It's not always necessarily going to be exactly what you want. It's not always going to be doing exactly what you wanted to do. And it's not always going to come with friends and followers and all of that. Sometimes the call of God in your life is going to do the exact opposite of that. And it's going to cause you to get out of that comfort zone. Can you imagine as Simon is standing there and he's probably in this crowded group of people. And there are probably many people that are gathered around and like a good, you know, like most people, we like to sit in the crowd where we're close enough to see, but not close enough to get called out. You know, we're, we, we want to hear what's going on, but we don't really want to be part of what's going on. And I'm sure there were a lot of people that were watching what was going on. Can you imagine being the one that got called to leave the crowd and to go out there by yourself? Everybody else is gathered and you're able to just kind of glimpse from the outside, but then you hear that soldier say hey you and he points at you and he says I want you to come out here and you have to leave that crowd and you have to leave that place of safety and you have to leave that hiding spot and there you are in front of everybody and you are associated with the man that everybody hates you are associated with the man that all of these religious people are ready to kill and you have just left the crowd and you have gone out there by yourself and you have have to walk with Him up this hill without anybody else there to help you, without anybody else there to encourage you. And that is what God had called Him. That's what God knew He was going to do. And can I say that's what God has called us to do a lot of times as well, is to leave the hiding place. Well, there's so many Christians today that are living in the hiding place, aren't they? I talked to somebody not long ago about going to church. And these were their words. They said, well, we really want to go to a, a bigger church. I said, well, we got a big building, you know, but that wasn't good enough for them. And they said, we really want to go to a, a bigger church. I said, well, that's, that's fine. I'm not anti-big church, all right? I'm not anti-large congregation. I said, why do you want to go to a big church? I said, they got more to offer. He said, well, that's that. He said, but you know, in a big church, you can just kind of slip in and you can slip out. And I say, the Lord ain't against big churches, but the Lord is against the mentality of I want to slip in and slip out, alright? The Lord never teaches us to go with the flow. The Lord never teaches us to find a hiding spot in the crowd. The Lord never teaches us to find a comfort zone and stay in that comfort zone. The Lord told him when He came up to him and they were fishing, and they said, we've been fishing all night and we hadn't caught anything. He said, well, launch out in the deep and get out of the shallow water and go out there a little deeper deeper and trust me to provide out there for you. And can I say that God's calling us to not live in the shallow, but God's saying launch out in the deep and get out of that comfort zone and do more than what you think you can. Do more than what you say you're able to do and just let God do those things in your life. Don't sit in the boat, but step out of the boat. Don't hide in the shadow, but walk in the light and get out of those places that keep you covered and keep you comfortable and just let God use you. Get out of the crowd of that place where nobody else can see you because here's what you won't find there you may find a hiding spot from the Lord you may find a hiding spot from the crowd 
But I tell you this, you're not going to find any peace hiding in the crowd from the Lord. You're not going to find any joy and contentment in trying to run from serving the Lord and finding your little comfort spot over here and saying, I'm not going to do any more than this right here. I don't know how many Christians have made up their mind and they've said, I'm doing as much as I'm going to do for the Lord right now. I go to church as much as I'm going to go to church. I read my Bible as much as I'm going to read my Bible. I give as much as I'm going to give. I participate as much as I'm going to participate. And you're not getting anything else out of me. That's it. And if that's your mentality this morning, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But I want you to know God's not pleased with that mentality. And you'll never find contentment in the Lord when you have set standards on as far as you will do for the Lord. We ought to say, Lord, I'm all yours. Anything that you, you want to pull me out of the crowd, Lord, you want to get me out of my comfort zone Lord if it's to help carry the cross I'll do anything that you've called me to do I'll, I'll sacrifice for you Lord I'll give up whatever it might be for you can you imagine what this would do to him he wants to go and participate or, or spectate in the Passover but do you know when he got under that cross and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ had touched his body the blood of a criminal in the eyes of the religious crowd, the blood of a man who has broken the law in their eyes, you know what that would no longer allow him to be part of? He no longer got to participate anymore. He became ceremonial unclean, that blood on him. And you imagine, I've traveled all these miles. I've gone all this distance to be able to watch and be part of the Passover. And now that I've touched Calvary, and now that, that I've been shoulder to shoulder with Jesus, I don't even get to do the things that I traveled for. I would say this morning what He got to be a part of was much greater than what He didn't get to be a part of. All right, And what He got to experience is much greater than what He planned on experiencing. And we say, well, God's not going to let me do the things that I wanted to do. If God's called you to not do something, He's got something much greater in store, alright? The things that the Lord has in store are so much greater than the things that we have in store. And when we miss out on things and we give up things and we walk away from things, we like to say, well, I'm losing all of that. Friend, if you're losing it for the Lord, you're not losing anything. You're gaining something, alright? You're getting something that's much greater. God has never called you to leave something that what He has in store to give you isn't much greater than that. It's always better. You say, well, how's it better? I'm broker, if that's a word. I'm broke. I don't have as much money. I don't have as much things. I don't have all of this. Hey, you can't measure the blessings of God with the things that you can touch, alright? You can't measure the blessings of God with the things that you can count on your eyes. With your eyes and with your touch and with all of those things. The blessings of God that He'll give you for following Him may never be another dollar bill and they may never be another possession. And they may never be anything that you wanted to do your whole life. But I assure you they are greater and they're worth having more than anything this world can give to you. Look over with me in your Bible in Hebrews chapter number 11. I think that Moses was right in verse number 23. In Hebrews chapter number 11, the Bible says of Moses, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Notice this, choosing rather 
to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He forsook Egypt by faith, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses could have had it all. He was gonna, he could have had all that Pharaoh had to offer. But he said, I'd rather have the reproaches of Christ than I would the riches of Egypt. It'd be better to be following God than it would be to follow the world. God has something in store for you and for I, but we've got to be willing to come out from the crowd. We've got to be willing to answer the call and make the sacrifice that the Lord has given to us. Notice this last thing. And I'll be done. That is the testimony. The testimony of His call. Here's what it did. I want you to see this. God made a somebody out of a nobody. If I would have asked you at the beginning of this service, I would have said, who knows the name of the person who carried the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? And not nearly as many people know the answer to that as they do know who was on the cross. I said, that's all right, all right. We don't need to know this man's name. We didn't know anything about him. Though. We didn't know anything about him. We don't know where he, what all he did his whole life. All we know is where he was from. And we know the names of his two children. But can I say, God took that person that everybody else, might, we all might have thought was a nobody, and He made a somebody out of Him. As I said a minute ago, I'm glad that Simon was there to help carry the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, preacher, I don't have a lot of abilities. And preachers, I'm not the one that everybody knows about. And preacher, I ain't got this. And preacher, I don't have that and all that. Can I say, you may be a nobody to everybody, but the Lord can make you a somebody, All right, The Lord can use you in His service no matter how disqualified, no matter how incapable you might think you are. God can do something in your life. He can use you in a mighty way if you'll just let it. And they may not know your name, but here's the thing. I don't need everybody to know my name when I'm gone, do I? I don't need everybody to remember Levi Cohorst or, or this person or that person if they remember what we helped take part of. That's all that matters. Because what we look back and we see that Calvary. We look back and we see Calvary was completed. Remember when Jesus said, it is finished. It was done. The work of redemption. And that is what matters the most. But you know who helped make it finished? The man who was willing to help Jesus get the cross up there. Now it's not about Him, but it ought to be an encouragement to you and I that if we can just help, if we can just do our part, it's not for our recognition, it's not for our praise. It is simply so that people will see Jesus high and lifted up above everybody and above everything that is the responsibility that we have is to give all of ourselves to the calls of the Lord Jesus Christ and pick up the message of the cross and carry it to this lost and dying world. As you look over later in your Bible study time, in the book of Romans chapter 16, Paul greets some people that are active and involved in the church at Rome. And most people, this is speculation, so you take it at that and I'll be done. But most people believe that when Mark wrote the, his gospel, there was a great attention and directed to the Romans. They were going to hear that. They were going to take that. And I just find it so interesting when I read over this, that this one little man that did this one little task, why Mark chose to say he was the son of Rufus and Alexander. You read over in the book of Romans chapter number 16, and Paul greets some people. He greets a lot of people. that He says their name and their commitment. But there in chapter number 16, he greets Rufus and his mother, who was also extremely instrumental in the ministry of Paul in helping them. And I can't help but think that that's probably who that was that he's talking about. And these people that just showed up to spectate 
the Passover, when the man began to participate in it, it left a legacy of his family doing the same thing. And one of the problems that we have in this day is there are not enough men that are toting the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ for their children and for their families to see. And we wonder, why is it going downhill? Why is it going downhill? Here's the thing. You and I, whether we like it or not, whether good or bad, we are an example to those that are watching us. Whether you are a husband, a, fa a father, a mother, wife, a children, whatever it may be, you are an example every day. And when you pick up the cross and you say, I'm going to live my life, for the Lord Jesus Christ to let rest of my life. I'm going to tote the message. I'm going to bear the weight. I'm going to bear the responsibility. It's a crucial and unexpected time. But I'm going to do it. There's somebody watching you. And it may make an impact on their life as well. They showed up to participate in religion that day. But 30 years from there, their children were, his children were involved, heavily involved in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it all happened because this one man was he in the wrong place at the wrong time? No, he was in the right place at the right time. All by the providence of God in that place. And when he was willing to do it, it made a big difference on everybody that followed him. What you do today and what I do today for Jesus is going to make a big difference in the years to come. As well, I believe the Lord is calling. It's a crucial time. Who is going to answer the call? and take up the message of the cross. I want to ask you to stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this day. Lord, Your many blessings. We thank You especially for the cross of Calvary and what Jesus did for us on that cross. Lord, but I'm thankful for that man who helped carry that cross, Lord, who helped get it there so that Jesus could complete the work of redemption uh, there and take all of the sins of the world. Lord, that, that, that man made a difference. He was used by You, and I thank You for him, Lord. But I ask You this morning that You would help us to be people like that as well, not working, not serving, not laboring for attention, but Lord, just doing it so that the message of the cross can get to the next town, to the next person, to the next family, to the next country, Lord, so that people might be saved by the hearing of the gospel and by putting their faith and trust in you, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.